Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the Authentic Dad Podcast. This is David Warrench. We have a really fascinating and funny guest today. His name's Eric Woodard. He started his career, not a joke, as a scuba instructor in Guam and then somehow ended up as Hillary Clinton's travel director. Now he's a high-performance career coach, consultant, and I hope you stick around. It's a really interesting conversation and lots of insight for those struggling or wanting to sort of optimize their career. I can be reached at furthercoach.com, F-U-R-T-H-U-R, coach.com. If you have feedback, if you want to be a guest, if you know someone who wants to be a guest, if you want coaching, I coach dads and people who aren't dads, if uh, why not? We do a free 30-minute consultation, a strategy call, and we're interested in inspiring people to live on their own terms, to integrate presence and connection and authenticity into their already very, very busy lives. It can be done, and I can help you do it. If you like this podcast, please consider giving a five-star review. It very much helps. I appreciate your support. I hope you're safe and well and healthy, and we shall see you on the other side. All right, I'm here with Eric Woodard. He's a high-performance career coach interested in helping professionals at all levels win at work, beyond advising uh, students, schools, employers, and professionals at all levels about career success. He has created and directed internship and other career programs at the White House, on Capitol Hill, at the US State Department, and the Smithsonian. He's the author of multiple books about crossing the bridge between school and work, including Your Last Day of School and The Ultimate Guide to Internships. He's got a BA in biology from the University of Missouri, an MA in international affairs, and in, what is it, EDD, an EDD? What is it, what is it? Yeah, Doctor of Education. Okay, okay, I should know that. A Doctor of Education <laughs> in Human and Organizational Learning from George Washington University, where he researched the nature of internships that develop intern soft skills. He's also got a certificate in leadership coaching for organizational performance by American University, from American University. And he's recognized as a certified high-performance coach by the High Performance Coach Institute. He lives in Alexandria with 37 kids and his wife. Now he's got, he's got four of them with his wife in Alexandria. And he has a very, very interesting story. I, I left that part out of your uh, bio. And um, he plowed through the working world for decades. And that is why he's passionate about helping people with their careers. Eric Woodard, that's an impressive bio, man. No, no, you, 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 you're too kind. You're too good. David, I'm so glad to be here, man. I'm so excited to talk to you and, and, uh, you're so wise, man. You're so wise. It's, if you're, your podcast <laughs> listeners, do they know how wise you are? Oh man, you're so fun and your energy is so good. And, and full disclosure, Eric went, would you go to graduate school with my yeah, wife? Yeah. And, and I sort of came to know you, you know, here and there back, you know, we'd go to a Super Bowl party or we'd see each other occasionally, casually, um, but I've always loved your energy and you're one of the most interesting people that I always want to keep up with. Um, and I love what you're, so let's, I went on your website and you have this beautiful video of your, your story, your trajectory. And I wish you, and, and for people who aren't going to do, go on there. I want you to share it. Oh yeah. Full disclosure was kind of inspiring and it made me teary eyed a little bit and could you give us a little nutshell? I, I would love to start with that. Well, that's the purpose of all the videos I do. I try to make people cry. I mean, that's what I, that's, no, I'm just kidding. You did, no, it was they, really cool. Uh, no, you're too, too kind. And yes, your, your, your wife, man, we knew each other back in the day, David, and you and I knew each other back in the day, mm -hmm. man. That was, that was back in the day, which as you know, was a Tuesday because back in the day, it's always a Tuesday. It just still didn't have hair, but, but it was a long time ago. <laughs> back in the day. Um, but no, thank you. Thank you so much for, for having me on here. So, so yeah, just a little bit uh, about my story. Um, so I, I actually grew up overseas. I, I grew up in Thailand. Uh, I came to the States when I was 17 and I wound up transferring colleges seven times. I, I yeah. just, I, you know, I was a little nervous, little, little, uh, and so by the time that was, and that was a real struggle, right? And by the time that was all over, I, I found myself as a scuba instructor on the island of Guam, which is pretty much as, as far away from the from the rest of the planet as I could get. I literally um, lived in Guam. Yeah, lived lived on Guam, in Guam, on Guam. It was yeah, and um, 
And, uh, but it was beautiful. You know, I swam in the ocean every day and was just, you know, was, was diving, which I, which I loved. And, um, you know, but, it, but after a while, you know, I, I sort of knew, you know, my brain was getting sort of spongy and I knew I wasn't reaching my full potential. So I thought, okay, I was like, what, what would be the most like prestigious job or something I could get? And I figured, well, that must be something like the white house. So I, I took out a piece of paper and wrote the world's worst cover letter and <laughs> put a stamp on that and mailed it in. I was like, well, I'm never hearing from those guys. Um, but that got me thinking, I, I, I applied to some grad schools, you know, thinking, cause I couldn't transfer anymore. I'd, I'd gotten my undergraduate degree. So I was like, let's, let's go to grad school. Right. And, um, and I got into uh, GW uh, here in Washington. And, uh, and so I, I sort of landed at, at, at DCA when it, very shortly after it had, it was brand new when I landed there and sort of had a backpack and a big bushy oh, haircut. Man, and I didn't realize you were that, you're, you're old. Yeah, yeah, I'm old. I'm an old <laughs> bastard. And, um, and uh, but had flip-flops and, uh, but uh, was dumpster diving for furniture. And, uh, but I found a pair of running shoes. I was out on the National Mall running around and, and I ran past the White House. I was like, you know, those White House bastards, they never even bothered to let me know about that internship thing. Mm. Um, so I, um, uh, I uh, 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 found a, a pay phone and put in a couple quarters. And I said, hey, hey, you guys, I applied to your internship program and, uh, um, and I never heard back. And they're like, wait a second, is this, is this Eric from Guam? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, but, but I'm in DC now. They're like, man, you're supposed to start in the first lady's office on Monday. So I, so I took a metro to Pentagon City, got a haircut, bought a suit, and showed up there. And that put me on about a 25-year roller coaster. Wait, wait, wait. wait. So yeah. did, did they send you something that said you've gotten the internship and just no, didn't get it? No, there was no or? time. It was literally like I called them on like a Saturday. And mm-hmm. I, and I and this was before cell phones. I had just gotten my phone connected, I remember. Or no, it was a pay phone. I didn't even have a phone. I went and found a pay phone. And, um, and so there was like no way for them to call me back. I didn't even have a phone at that point. Like, and so, yeah. The hell's this guy been? Yeah. They just took my word, you know, and, uh, you know, I had an idea and stuff, but I just, um, I, uh, uh, I, I showed up and, um, and again, this, uh, this is during the Clinton administration. So I, I don't know your listeners politics. They'll have well, to forgive it's me. It's my if, understanding. If, and I want to go into yeah. that a little bit. Politics yeah. aside that you started, um, with a very unknown politician or, or public figure, um, Hillary Rodden Clinton. That's right. At the time, I don't think anyone yeah. knew who she was. No, she was just a, uh, just no, the first lady. very non-controversial, very, uh, you know, little, no, no, everybody knew her. And, and so you uh, worked for the first lady's office. Yeah. Worked in the office of the first lady. I worked, um, and, um, and at that time first, the first lady, Hillary Clinton, she was great boss and, and I, and I followed her and I had lots of white house adventures, um, you know, learned a ton I uh, was around a lot of really high performing, um, just awesome people. And, and, you know, at that point in my career is a little bit of a disservice because I that was sort of my first office job. I was just like, well, gosh, this must be how, be how everybody is in the workplace. <laughs> right. you know, everybody's just awesome all the time and they work really hard and, and they believe and they try and make an impact for the good of the world. And Did you meet um, the cat? Did you meet Socks the cat? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. I met Buddy the dog, and you know, yeah, I forgot about um, Buddy, but Buddy the Sox. dog, yeah, Buddy the dog. He used to eat, eat cupcake wrappers out of my uh, out of my trash can. Um, <laughs> I know I would choke. I was like, the president's dog is choking. I have to save him. It was terrible. Anyhow, um, but uh, but from there, I I, I followed um, uh, Hillary Clinton to the Senate, and we we represented New York State for for eight years, and then I followed her to the State Department, where I did. Uh, some UNESCO stuff, and uh, and eventually I found my way on my own to the Smithsonian, where until just recently I was director of fellowships and internships. But all you know, sort of all through this time, both you know, as somebody trying to figure out their early career, and then uh, somebody who managed and, and supervised others, and I've written, as you say, I've written a couple of books, and I I did some research on internships. Yeah, I've seen a lot of examples of really high performing people in really important places. Um, you know, I, I've, uh, I've just seen the movie so many times of both people, early professionals coming to a place like DC and trying to figure it out, but then also mid-career people who are struggling with burnout or 
they're just sort of plateaued and they're trying to take their careers to the next level. Or they're wanting to change their careers is, of course, the other thing. And, of course, now the fun part is we have COVID overlaid over everything. Right. So that's not disrupting any part of the world. Well, um, we're going to get there, but not so fast, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I, let's not gloss over this. I've oh, got Hillary Clinton. I got to make people cry, though, David. So As you, you know, I got to. <laughs> so you were like her right hand. I mean, weren't you like her travel director or something? No, no, but I what, what, I, what was, what was your actual position in the well, Senate? So, so I started as, uh, well, the White House, I started as her office manager and then I assisted her chief of staff. And then by the time we got to the Senate, I was her scheduler. So, so I did arrange a lot of her, uh, travel and, and her daily schedule. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a really close knit group, you know, Hillary land. I mean, as they you, call you it. work with her every single day. Yep. I mean, yep. I mean, this, yep. I just want people give people the picture. This wasn't like, she sort of vaguely knew who you were. I mean, you were yeah, part yeah. of her team. Yeah. And what about Bubba? You were uh yeah. No, so so no, no, Bubba, Bubba's good. David, I love what you're doing with this podcast. It. It's just great. No, <laughs> no, no. It, President yeah. Clinton is is great. I mean, he's one of my, you know, he's one of my favorite people and um really inspiring leader. Um, you know, I hear him you know, you know, in, in his retirement years now, he's, well, I don't know if he's retired. He's still doing Clinton foundation stuff, but um, in his post-presidency years, you know, I mean, he's just, at least to me, he's just a really inspiring leader. I learned a lot. I learned a lot um, from being around the people that worked for him. Um, and uh, no, it was just, it was a transfer, you know, to go from being a scuba instructor on Guam yeah, to being around that stuff for as long as I was around that stuff, it, um, it was awesome. And I, I feel so privileged. Uh, um, um, I, I, I got, and I love yeah. that you're really, and we'll, we'll get, you're paying it forward. So, so you work with, how many years was it again with, with, um, the so White I was in the White House for, um, just under four years and I was with her in the Senate for eight and I was with her at the state department for another two. So, uh, <laughs> I got to do the math on that, but it's like a, 14, 15 that's years. That's a lot yeah. of HRC. Yeah. A lot of HRC, a lot of Hillary Rodham <laughs> Clinton, right? A lot of HRC. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, that's um, good. yeah, no, I mean, she's, you know, I mean, I definitely, definitely among the very top impactful, uh, influences in my life. Absolutely. Do Absolutely. you have her number in your cell phone? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to ask for it, but but if you wanted to, could you text her right now? Could you be like, what's up, Hills? I, I, I probably, I might be able to text somebody who is standing next to her, but I don't know if I could, um, and I probably wouldn't want to. She, uh, I know she's enjoying her, her hypothetically. And, yeah, hypothetically. <laughs> hypothetically. Hypothetically, yeah. Yeah, but no, it's- so from um, there, you, let, let's, you became the director- of internships for yeah. the Smithsonian. That's right. Yeah. That's kinda, okay. Tell me about that. Yeah. So it was great. And you know, it was so funny. I always used to tell this joke going from um, sort of politics to a place like the Smithsonian. I mean, first of all, big culture shift, but one of the funny stories that when I, one of the first days I was at the Smithsonian, um, I was getting a tour of the natural history museum, which is the back part of that is just huge. It's so easy to get lost. And, uh, and they were showing me, um, they were opening up closets with, with different, you know, specimens, a lot of, a lot of skeletons, right. Of different animals and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I always used to joke around that I've been in politics so long that I knew about a lot of skeletons and a lot of closets, but it wasn't until I got to the Smithsonian that I saw an actual skeleton in an actual closet. Um, did that joke kill? Uh, it, it did. It definitely killed the, the critter that the skeleton belonged to. (laughs) It, 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 It is a good dad joke. It is a good dad joke. A good yeah. DC joke. Yeah, good DC dad joke. That's right. That's right. Um, because, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't yeah. know a lot about the internship world and everywhere, yeah. but but it's yeah. a big deal, particularly in Washington DC. Like that's that's yeah. the way into almost everything, right? In, yeah. in government and politics. Yeah, it can be. It mm-hmm. it can be, and I I could talk your ears off of, I mean, I talk for hours about internships, but it's, um, it's, it's, you know, I always talk about, you know, some lessons are priceless, right. And, and there's some, some lessons money can't buy. And I think internships are one of those, um, things where, um, it, you know, it offers an opportunity, um, to people to, to, to really get 
inside the door and, and, and get some of that experience. that's really hard to learn in the classroom. Mm. Um, frankly, it's, it's the kind of experience employers are desperate to get. Um, yeah. yeah Even uh, in my little, my little, uh, space in the world over here in my law practice, I've had, I've had a few and it's, yeah. it's been really rewarding for, for both of us. Yeah. It goes both ways. It, uh, uh you know, uh, somebody who's a great mentor knows that they're going to learn uh, a lot by mentoring. And that's part of the reason why yeah. good mentors mentor. Yeah, absolutely. For me, it made me a little bit appreciate more what, I, so I'm a solo practitioner. It's just me. So it's like me talking to myself all day. So yeah. when I had this in various interns throughout the years, it sort of made me appreciate what I do more. Yeah. Like, oh, this person is interested in this. Yeah, you you're know? absolutely right. It, 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 gave it a new light for me too. That's right. Well, really cool. so, so that's one of the things, you know, as seasoned professionals and I, I've run into this, what you described so often, right. You know, like, like it's actually can be kind of tricky to place interns, right. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks, Oh, everybody just wants insert. No, I mean, mentoring an intern is a lot of work. And yeah. if one's a good mentor, they're not going to accept the opportunity to mentor an intern unless they're willing to put in the time and energy to do it right. And, yeah. and that takes a lot. So, so, you know, sometimes I'd be trying to place interns to, to your point, you know, and I'd go to the guy at the Smithsonian that feeds the pandas and I'd be like, will you take this in there? And he'd be like, nah, they don't want to come here. I just feed pandas all day. There's, you know, and, 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 and a lot of times as seasoned professionals, we don't realize the valuable experience that we have that kids coming out of school or, or haven't been in the working world don't have. And the, part of the reason we take it for granted is we've just been doing it for so long. You know, and, and there's all these little tacit things that we know that we take for granted that some, and we forget, right. Once we're in the working world, but coming out of school, you know, they don't teach that stuff in school. Um, yeah. No, I mean, you know, obviously as in the, in the legal field, of course, there used to not be law school. There used to be apprenticeships. You would exactly. learn by apprenticeships and yeah. most lawyers and most of the public, has never really entered into a courtroom. So yeah. when I've I've had these interns and they just see what the court, it's like, is what I do every day. But they're like, oh my God, what yeah. is this place? Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's just, just a court. You know, it's everybody yeah. can, it's public, it's open. We can all do it. But most people haven't, um, thankfully, really spent a lot of time in, in a courtroom. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, Getting I mean, it's- panda sounds amazing, by the way. <laughs> I want it <laughs> right, right. And, and and actually you just described in the courtroom, you know, I've, I've been in jury selection, but other yeah. than that, you know, so, so it's very easy for us to take for granted the awesomeness of what we do and the impact we make on the world. Right. And, um, you know, it's walk a thousand miles in somebody else's shoes, I suppose. But um, I also yeah. have this kind of, um, a picture of an intern, you know, working for free for a million hours, living on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and being, um, you know, told what to do, but it, it, it's really not like that. I mean, it's, it's a lot more nuanced and, and mentorship is, seems to me like a whole genre in itself and internship and, um, and really important. I mean, you wrote a whole book about it, right? Yeah. So, so, and again, I could talk a lot about this, yeah. but I, I have very strong feelings on this, right? So, so as you may know, there's, there's, you know, a lot of voices out there that are really focused on internships should be paid, right? And it becomes mm -hmm. like the social justice thing. And, and, you know, and I, my take on this is if and when internships are paid, that's great, but it's not salary, right? It's not, it's not meant to be common. I mean, if somebody's getting paid as an intern, it's, it's to help them defray living expenses and stuff. Because the purpose of an internship, at least a good internship, is not about making a minimum wage, right? Because I can do that at McDonald's. I, I did do that at McDonald's right. actually at one point. My, you know, I can do that. But a good internship, the primary purpose, and this is actually um, what the, it, there was some uh, circuit court of appeals uh, rulings on this recently. I want to say the second and 11th, but they came out and they, and they got it right. They said that a good internship should be focused on learning. Mm -hmm right? Learning. That's the primary purpose of an internship is learning, learning. Uh, and so, you know, it could be the case that, so, you know, an intern's working their tail off and not getting any pay, but as long as they're learning a ton, the internship is good. There, you know, even when there are situations where an intern's just being asked to do stuff and they're not being mentored and they're not learning a lot, 
that's not an internship. And that's, that's, that's bad, right? That's, that's a bad situation. Yeah. And, and I think what sometimes what I fear happens is people say, oh, well, I'm paying you. So I don't have to worry about the learning. There you go. And so, and so sometimes when money, when money becomes the focus, and again, right. I, I, I have strong feelings about this, but it, it, it can lose the beautiful power of an internship, which is the learning. Um, learning, internships are about learning. They must be. Otherwise, they're not an internship, I would humbly suggest. I love, I love the, so you did that for what eight eight years? I did that for eight years. Yeah, God, it was so a really long time. Passionate, yeah. and then is tell me tell me what happened after that. So so this is just recently. So you know I've been um, uh, doing some uh, career coaching, high performance coaching, um, mostly to you know friends and neighbors and and you know people I knew. Um, in part because of, of government ethics rules, I couldn't accept. You know, I couldn't do it for a living be, right. because okay. I, so you I were had sort a position. Of- pro bono while you, yeah. you, right, you couldn't. Charge. Yeah. Cause of, because of the ethics stuff, but now I'm not. And now I'm, um, you know, I'm doing coaching full time, which I'm super excited about. It's super scary to be, as you yeah. well know, to be independent and, uh, uh, doing your own thing. But, um, but it's great. I love tell it. Me, I love you, it. Tell me what you mean by high performance coaching. Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. High performance coaching. So, you know, so I did some research about, you know, you know, internships and, you know, how sort of what we've been talking about, you know, how do kids learn things that professionals know, right? So like things like professionalism or how to communicate well, or um, how to uh, establish good relationships in the workplace, right? But there's also been research that looks at, so that's sort of early career, you know, when people are, but there's also research that has looked at what makes high performers high performers? And even more importantly, what helps high performers maintain that high performance, right? You know, sometimes people talk about peak performance, but I, I don't really like that because a peak implies that you went up and you, then you're coming right back down, right? Whereas high performance is, yeah. you know, prolonged, sustained performance. Look at so stuff like focus, stuff like clarity, stuff like energy, stuff like intention and necessity, um, courage. You know, it, what, what research shows is the, the extent to which people can master these habits, um, they raise their game, right? They take the, because, you know, everybody's got the same 24 hours, right? We, you and I have 24 hours. Elon Musk has 24 hours. You know, the guy, you know, working in the farm fields has 24 hours. The question is, what do we want to use those 20 hours for to make an impact on the world that we want to make? Right. Without judgment. Right. So, you know, the guy who's the farmer, he's making an impact on the world. He's feeding people. Right. But 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 the question is, like, you know, be, to be intentional about the impact we make on the world. And I and I fear, sorry, I'm filibustering here too long. But oh, this but is I, beautiful. But I feel what speaking happens my is, is speaking my speaking language. But I but I think what happens too often is people and I see this all the time with careers. Right. As opposed to they're happening to their career. They let their career happen to them and they're not intentional and they just sort of take the path of least resistance. And the next thing you know, they're, you know, 95 on their deathbed or 105, God willing. And, and they, they missed the boat because they didn't, they, they weren't intentional. Living in quiet Um, desperation. Yeah. Yeah. It it strikes me in this, even though we're in a pandemic and it's, there's a lot of horrible things going on in the world. It's also a really cool time where you can you, you, YouTube and, and all of these online masterclasses and things. And for me, it's a little overwhelming, but the opportunity with the click of a button to optimize or learn a new skill Absolutely. or sort of paint your own palette with, with your career or your performance is unbelievable. Absolutely. No, this is this is Absolutely. And people like you, because I don't know that we had that many great high performance coaches a long while ago. Yeah, no, it's, well, I think I'd say a couple of things. I think one, as you suggest, this is a time of disruption, mm-hmm. you know, and, and as you know, if you want something to gr- grow, what do you have to do to the soil? Yeah. <laughs> you got to dig it up. You got to plow it, right? So air and water and stuff can get in there and you got to plant. So a time of disruption, you know, a time of change is going to be, can be a great time of growth. But absolutely, this is definitely a time to skill up, right? You know, there, there's going to be some people out there who are going to say, you know what? I can watch Netflix for a year. I can, you know, just kind of chill for a year. And look, 
hopefully we've all been able to do a little bit of that during the, you know, during these challenging times. Um, but, um, you know, we all, I mean, again, this is a first world problem, right? I mean, well, you know, I mean, of course yeah, it is, no, but, it's it goes without saying yeah. it's obviously a luxury to, yeah, to even have it, this conversation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, um, but absolutely. If, if, you know, given all the, the blessings that, that you and I, and anybody listening to this likely has, um, this is a time to skill up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get a little more specific because some of these amazing concepts, you know, um, purpose and passion and energy and clarity and all of the mm. things I, I think most of us want, like, mm. how do you support somebody, let's say who comes in and, and maybe they do have like the good job and the kids and, yeah. and the dog and not struggling with money, but they yeah. don't passion and energy seems but I wake up you know not me I'm just saying they wake up in the morning and they're like shit man like mm. I just I'm not feeling it like yeah. I don't I am living a little bit in quiet desperation Ooh. I don't want to be in my deathbed like is there how do you start with someone like that Ooh, isn't that a dangerous place though yeah. you know like everything's fine Ooh, everything's dead, fine deadliest place in the world because look let's say you're somebody who is struggling to eat, you know, I mean, the, the, the nice, I mean, you know, somebody who's, you know, who's just desperate. I mean, again, coming from a place of, 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 of yeah. privilege on this, but, but at least somebody like that, they've right. got nothing left to lose. Like, let's assume, right? um, let's go Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? right, they, they, right. they have enough to eat. They have, right. Cause I think that's a different conversation. They have shelter. Right. All, all of, all of the, they're, they're higher up the, 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 right. the, uh, the, the needs, but right? but see the the challenge with and again I'm forgetting my Maslow here, but I know the yeah. top one is is uh, self actualization, right? right. So so um, the the hard part about that if you've taken Maslow, right? And for those of you who don't know Maslow, it's you know it's it's, it's this these levels, right? Of, of basically satisfaction in terms of fulfillment. Uh, David can probably describe that better than I can, but um, but the problem with being really high up. And being just short of self-actualization, which means you reached your full potential, mm -hmm. is in trying to reach that highest part of of the of the of the you know of the of the, the highest level, you might have to risk the bottom six or however many there are, right? Oh, that's you really know? interesting. Yeah, you might have to risk that. So so somebody who's fine, somebody who has a ton of stability, a ton of safety, you know. It, 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 they have a lot to lose. I think it's common in the legal, yeah. legal field, the golden handcuffs. I can't leave this job. I golden get paid pretty well, even though I hate it. Mm -hmm. I have prestige. Mm -hmm. I have not, again, I'm not talking about me, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I'm just saying so, some other guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, the way you put that is, is, is interesting. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. Right. To, to get, to get to higher, you have to risk the lower sometimes the, the lower or, things. or maybe not always. It, right. Yeah. Or maybe it feels like you do, mm -hmm. you know, and then this goes back to like our caveman wiring, mm -hmm. right. You, you know about this, right. So, so a lot of times, at least again, in today's first world society, anybody listening to this, this is going to be you is is you know when we feel fear it's probably bullshit <laughs> right mm -hmm. because because that's the wiring of our ancient mind that's trying to keep us from getting eaten by the lion yeah well the lizard right? brain is often, the lizard brain exactly as, or as, as one could say is not only bs but it's dumb as shit like it doesn't know that this isn't a real this is it's not a, a real it's outdated right it's outdated it hasn't it hasn't gotten the update exactly so so what we have to do is hack that Mm -hmm. right hack that and, and i tell you I, this is one of the things i've heard recently i love this idea is that the idea of um physiologically the idea of or the feeling of fear mm -hmm. is almost identical to the feeling of excitement and oh. so you know physiologically you know when you're afraid you know you 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 know, you, you start to perspire, you start to respire, you know, your, your sympathetic nervous system kicks in those exact same things that happen when you're afraid happen when you're excited. And, and part of the difficulty is your body can't tell the difference. So sometimes when you think you're afraid of something, just tell yourself you're excited. 
And there's a good chance you probably are. And you're just, your stupid lizard brain can't tell the difference. Yeah. I mean, um, from, that's powerful. From, from, a, from a man who suffers from massive anxiety, mm. totally resonates. And by the way, I don't want to sh- sound like shame anybody who feels like, you know, I'm safe. Mm-hmm. I have safety. I have a job. And that's good. That's cool. And great for them. I think this, we're really talking about people who want to, let's say, play a bigger game or, you know, take that um, to the next level. But safety and satisfaction are also totally fine. Yeah. Well, and you know, part of this is, look, if you've got a stable job and everything's great and that little voice inside you is just full of gratitude and you're like, I don't know how this could get any better. Like, God bless. I mean, that's good. I think what maybe we're talking about is somebody who has all the you know, sort of the trappings of, of that, but that little voice is saying something different. And I think this, this is particularly true. I don't know. Is it, you think this is true of, of dads or is it true of moms too? Is what do you think? Which part? I, I, that, that little voice. Do you, do you think it, it's, it's, uh, this is something that happens to men more than women or is, is that a stereotype? I don't know. I don't think it's gendered. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, uh, I think what you pointed out is very important and the intention seems to me to be mm. really important or paying attention mm. because may often some oftentimes we're numbing mm-hmm. with television or social media or we're so busy or we're avoiding you're like i can't i don't have time to deal with that i just have to survive or and sometimes unfortunately in our body or some there's subtle cues in the environment that are trying to tell us something and we don't really pay attention till something big happens like we lose a job or there's a divorce or there's a health thing or there's a crisis and then i think often that sort of shifts us yeah well um, in career and life and uh that's that's what it seems to me has been my experience that 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 unfortunately shifts happen when there's when there's a breakdown the, the, you know, another way to th- think about the lizard brain is, you know, and there's all these models, right? I could give you like 50 of them. But another one that I like is this idea that, you know, we've got three brains, right? We've got the robot brain. And this, you know, and this is sort of analogous to like the, what the Colburn brothers say about the, the, the elephant, the writer and the path, you know, it's sort of aligned with that. But the, the robot brain and that thing is the powerful brain and that thing's just meant to keep us alive, right? That's what makes us eat too much. You know, it's like more calories, you know, chances are I'm on the savannah and I, so I'm gonna yep. just going to eat, you know? Then we've got the monkey brain, which is the one that's like, show me something new, show me something new, you know, novelty, show me the shiny objects, you know, that's clickbait. And then we've got the sage brain, right? This is Darren Hardy that talks about this model, right? The the sage brain, right? Where um, that's the higher minded one that like helps us. And so, yeah, there, yeah. there are different sort of models that talk about that in different mm-hmm. ways. What I, I like the internal family systems we spoke about IFS mm. calls that like the self with the, with the big S, which is kind of the Buddha brain and mm. your compassionate, clear, calm, yeah. you know, that this sort of your, your really best self, your center mm. and that we're all sort of a, a multitude of parts. Um, and, and, you know, more, ho- hopefully more moments in the self uh, is, you know, is what contributes to to our life. Let me say, give you another situation. So maybe you have a person who says, I like my job. Hmm. It's and I like my career and I'm on the this is exactly what I should be doing. But I don't think I'm reaching my potential. Let's say I'm not communicating well with my coworkers, staff, Hmm. maybe I'm a manager and I'm could use a little work. Yeah. Or, um, you know, I'm having trouble, you know, in things of that nature, yeah, executive type of, yeah. of issues. Yeah. What, how do you support that? Well, so the first like, word, what is the, what does the coaching look like? Like someone, yeah. Like, what do you do? Yeah. Well, so the first word I heard in there is you were giving me that scenario is of course mm-hmm. my, one of my least favorite words of my, is the word should, you know, yeah. like, like this is what I should be doing. Oh, there you, go. Yeah. you know, like, well, why, why is, you know, so that, that, and look, maybe that's, Maybe that's right, but I would challenge. Anytime I hear the word should, I like to challenge that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, why should you? Where's that point. coming from? Um, but then it's because, because that frankly could inform all the other stuff, right? Because if, if, if somebody's really doing the thing that just feeds their soul, yeah. I think there's probably a, a lot less of a chance that they're going to have some of those other troubles. I mean, look, 
you know, everything's different. And let's say they are. So to take your point, let's say somebody is, they're following, they're calling. This is, this is, they're all in on the thing, but then they're having trouble, um, you know, either communicating or focusing or, you know, being accountable and professional and, you know, and then you have to go into each of those things. You yeah. know, you gotta, gotta get them to explore why. I'm just, I'm just thinking about someone who has like pretty, I mean, we all do. I'm wondering if this comes up, someone who it's not like they want to make a massive change mm. or they need help on their purpose, but they have these blind spots mm, like yeah. we all do. And is, is that something you work with? Yes, sometimes. Um, and, and yeah, blind, blind spots. I mean, there are often things, you know, everybody's got, everybody, and you know, this because you've coached, you know, this idea of limiting beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. So we all have a ton not a little bit, but a ton of yeah. limiting beliefs that, that we are, as you say, 100% blind to, right? Well, you pointed out one of mine before we started. <laughs> I said, I said, well, I don't know if I'm going to go to graduate school to be a psychotherapist. Said, well, tell, tell me why. Yeah. And then I came up with all these sort of rationalizations. And, yeah. and you just asked a simple question and it sort of elucidated all these things. So yeah. thank you for that. No, no. But I mean, we're all inside our own heads, right? And, and it's amazing what can happen when you get a second head to help look at the stuff that's inside your head. And, you know, and sometimes this is therapy, but I think with coaching, it's more, it's not so much healing the past as it is, you know, okay, how are we going to take care of business now? You know, like what's happening now? How are we going to, you know, it's, what's our future goal? How are we getting to that goal? Um, it's a little, it's a little bit different, but, uh, um, but yeah, we all have it, man. We're all. We're all oh, your your company is called Win at Work, right? Yeah, yeah. Which so I love. And Eric has these really fun, as you can tell, super high energy, super positive um, videos on LinkedIn, and they're funny. So give us some uh, give us some break it down, man. Some tips. How do you win at work? If you were to just sort of draw out really general, yeah. it could be you know first job executive. Second, I know you had one video of don't plagiarize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's where that's where I claim to invent the word plagiarize. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I didn't invent the word plagiarize, yeah. but um, but if that's I good advice. It, that's good advice. <laughs> it's frowned upon, David. It's frowned upon. Um, Do not plagiarize. No plagiarize. No charge, folks. No charge. <laughs> yeah. But I think you know. I think a big one is, and and this may be a little bit truer for early professionals is the idea that, you know, most people, when I say, what's a resume about? They'll be like, oh, it's about me. And of course that answer is incorrect, right? A good resume isn't about you. I don't know what it is, tell me. What's it's answer? about them. And good. you know, and you knew that answer. You just, I was putting it in a funny, yeah. right? A good resume, I mean, of course it's about you and your work history and all that stuff, right. but, but it's, I, well, here's a, I guess maybe a more broad, broader thing. And this would apply to, it applies to what I'm just talking about, but also professionals at any level, anybody really, is the story we tell ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So a resume is really just a story, Yeah. right? It's just, I mean, you know, I mean, sure, maybe it's more like a transcript and there's more factual number stuff on there, but how you present it and what you choose to present to potential employers or people you're applying to or somebody you're trying to get as a customer or somebody you're trying to ask them to marry or whatever the hell it is. Right. You're just telling a story. And here's the, yeah, go ahead. it's just been a very long time since I've done a resume and that sounds like a really eloquent way of putting it. It's just a story. It's yeah, just it's a nice. story. And of course the, the fun part is you get to choose your own adventure. Oh, that's nice. You get to choose the story you want to tell depending on who you're telling it to, right? So in the workplace or if you're applying for a job or if you're pretty much trying to do anything, the power of being intentional and deliberate about the story you're telling. And 99.9% .9 of people, people in the workplace, people everywhere, they don't think like this, right? right? They, they think, oh, Somebody told me the story that I'm not good at math. Mm. Therefore, I'm not good at math. Or somebody said, I'm not a good salesperson. Well, you must not be a good salesperson. So, so they're just accepting these stories. And, and you don't even have to worry about whether it's true or not, right? Who cares? I mean, truth is relative, right? So, so, wow. but, 
so so you can be intentional and deliberate and you can choose the story that not only you tell yourself but that you tell others in your work and life fascinating like yeah. what you're saying is <laughs> some of these old stories and limiting beliefs it, you you can pick out or, or kind of showing up on people's resume who says you're not good at this who 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 told you and it goes way back mm-hmm. that's absolutely really, that's good absolutely it that's goes good. way back you're yeah. good <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So I love that. Tell um, resume is a story you're telling people. Yeah. Um, and you, which basically what you're saying is just kind of lie. Like make. I'm just kidding. Well, it's you know I'm it's not, funny I'm, you I'm, say that. No, no, no. <laughs> no because I'm, I've no, no. It's interesting that you say that because I've actually given resume workshops where people have given me feedback after you're like you're telling them to lie. And I've had so I try to make a habit of when I when I explain this idea, I, I literally often try to remind myself to say. You can't lie, right? Because it's never it's never the the scandal, right? Or it's never the crime. It's always the cover up. As you know, you're a liar. You yes, know this, right? Yes. It's always the cover up that gets people in trouble, right? And this gets to the idea of authenticity. There you go. Right. By the it, way, why did you leave as a scuba diver? <laughs> you were no, fired. Yeah. No, 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 no. But it um, but it gets to the idea of authenticity, right? So, mm-hmm. so, and, and sometimes people hear that you know, they think those two are, are contradictory, right? To tell a story, but to be authentic. So the thing is, you can tell a story and you can choose your story, but of course the story has to be authentic, mm-hmm. right? You can't just choose, you can't just lie and make up any story, right? So so like the story I told at the beginning of, the, of this, uh, of our broadcast here, right? That's a version of my Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a guy that's had a long career and I know about career stuff and professional yeah. development. That's that. But I could have given you the, I'm a scuba guy story. I could have given you, I'm a runner story. I could have given you, I'm a husband story. I'm a dad story, all of which would have been authentic for me, but I chose the story based on the audience I was talking to. And it felt authentic to me yeah. and it resonated with me and obviously a lot of thought and intention and and crafting went into that and it shows because it's a it's a really nice yeah. story and completely true. Yeah, compl- well, okay, so it's interesting you mentioned crafting, right? Mm-hmm. Because the marketing matters, right? And this no, no, I mean it does of crafting yeah. marketing. So this gets the idea of archetypes, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's only been like 10 stories ever told, right? Like David versus Goliath, hometown girl does good. Everybody told me I couldn't do it, I did. I I went on a long jo- journey and came home. Yeah, there's like 10 stories in like literature and all the rest. Uh, and yeah. and so if you can package your story in a format that is familiar to your audience, yeah. it'll resonate with them and they won't even know why. Now, disclaimer, you can't use this for evil, right? <laughs> like, like, cause this is what sometimes advertisers and others do. But in terms of communication, if you're trying to be persuasive or influence or have an impact, it's not just choosing your story. It's not just choosing a story that you can tell authentically, but it's then also packaging that in a way that has power. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. most, it seems like most coaches, if you look at their website, not just coaches, but in, in that world, that's one of the most important parts mm-hmm. of their website. And oftentimes it is overcoming these very difficult things in their life. Not that they made those up, but this is sort of why they wanted to do the work and why they can resonate with mm. whatever you're going through. I mean, you have seven colleges yeah, and a really, really interesting. So why are you, is, tell me why you're so passionate about the career um, coaching and high performance. Well, what, so, what does it do for you? So in the spirit of authenticity, it was actually only five colleges, but I transferred okay, okay. seven <laughs> times, but it was only five. Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I think it, um, it, it drives me crazy when people are prevented from reaching their full potential. Okay. Like this just sets me on fire. Like, I mean, and, and so, so there's versions of this, right? So sometimes like I'll go past like the country club where they have an exclusionary, you know, policy. So some, so some people are, I mean, that kind of, that kind of shit just drives yeah. me bananas. Right. And so I see the same thing with, with people in the workplace and, you know, in their work lives and, and they're in other parts of their lives where they have this tremendous potential 
but they don't believe it. That drives me crazy. And, and so that's, that's what. And he worked in the government yeah. for years and he's not jaded. Just the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's a wonderful this? superpower, by the way, to yeah. see this thing in people and be like, no, that's a false belief. Can we please in, in having a passion to, to switch yeah. that script? Yeah. You must be a uh, interesting father and husband. <laughs> Four kids. Tell me, yeah. tell me their ages again. I know so, we're jumping around. I want to get. Oh no, more, we're fine. Want to get fine. more of how you win at work, but I want to tell me. No, about no, we're fine. I love this. I, you're four such kids. A good, how you're long such you a good, I just want to say you're such a good interviewer, oh, thank David. You so much. You're such. I'm putting it on the record. You can't edit this part out. Um, so I have uh, four kids. I have a pair of uh, boy girl twins that are ten, and then a uh, another little boy at seven, and another little boy that's three. And it's uh, it's Mad Max under Thunderdome, as as you probably <laughs> know. And how um, long have you been? Been married? Been married. Um, God, I should know this off the top of my head. Um, it's um, <laughs> since uh, what is it, 2021? So um, I'm gonna say like since 2008. 2008. Yeah, 2008. So I have to do math. Wasn't didn't Hills do a little thing at your wedding? Yeah, yeah. She sent a video. It was awesome. That's awesome. But the um, so like 15, 16 years, something like that. So God, you wake them up blur. at five in the morning, and be like, get your shit together. Absolutely. I don't care you if know? you're three. No. I don't care if you're three. No, you, you know, they, you, they rub dirt in their wounds. You know, they got to build character on these Walk it off, buddy. <laughs> you could do better than that. Obviously. It's um, <laughs> awesome. No, it's such, such nice to have such a positive energy man Thanks, you have a lot man. of energy by the way i like yeah it. yeah um or do you ever do you ever run low or you like this all the time oh no well this frankly by the way it doesn't no, I, I, no no having conversations like this mm-hmm. energizes me no me question too. about me it. too like this yeah. just doing this is very energizing it yeah. there's a sense of flow and excitement yeah and it re- I, seriously that's why i do um, I mean, granted, I mean, I don't have any like mattress companies or if you know anyone, <laughs> or like stamps.com. So it's really just for the love of the game. But yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So again, I'm jumping around. So you, the resume, tell a story. Don't plagiarize. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How else can we win? How else can we win? So, so yeah. So, so the idea that you're telling a story, I think is really important. I think that, you know, if I had to put it in three buckets, I'd say, tell a story. The authenticity piece mm-hmm. is really important. And then the third piece is realizing it's about them. You know, one, one of the things that that I had such a hard time with, you know, when I was transferring colleges and came to the States is, you know, I'd been to like 70 countries before I was 18. Holy shit. And, and I was a snob. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, please, if you haven't been, <laughs> if you haven't traveled like me, I'm 18 and I'm so smart. And actually, Hillary was one of the first people I'd ever met that had been to more countries than I had. Wow. And so I figured, well, shit, I must I must, uh, you know, I better listen to her. She's she's the first person I met that's traveled more than I have. What right? was her number? What was her number? I was I counted it because I did her schedule so I could go back through the schedule. It was like 86 by the time I started working for her, right? Which was more than me. I only had 70. Uh, mm-hmm. and so um and and so but one of the most important I learned around that time and it, you know, I think it was just a matter of maturity is the vital lesson of dealing with people where they are. Mm-hmm. Not where you want them to be, but where they are. And that gets to this point of you know, with resumes or, or, or trying to convince people of something or try to, you know, make any sort of impact, you know, it's not about you. It's about them. And, and so here's the, uh, I'll, I'll be real quick. Here's the really interesting thing. It's a great insight. And I think a hard skill to cultivate. Oh, it is. Well, but here's why it happens. Right. Yeah. So, so, so this, I've never tried this on a more seasoned professional. So I'll try it on you. So David, <laughs> David, what was your sole professional responsibility from the age of zero till 18? What were you, what were you supposed to be doing? Uh, be kind. Oh, see, you're so, see, you're a seasoned professional. Well, what was your professional responsibility? Oh, what, what was oh, your day? Um, what was your day job? Be, uh, my, oh, you know what? I worked at a coffee shop and pastry shop it, since I, when I was 14. I don't see, know. If see, your seeds, this won't work on you. But so when I ask I this what, question, no, no, it doesn't work on you. I've never tried it. So when I ask this question of somebody who's like a recent college graduate, oh. I say, what's been your sole professional responsibility? They always say school, right? Oh. School, school. And then I say, well, well, what were you supposed to do in school? They'll, they'll say learn. And then I remind them that first day of kindergarten or first grade, what did we all put at the top of that paper? What did we put at the top of that paper in grade school? The very first time we put our, our name. name. Yeah. 
right? Be- and, and who was responsible for our learning? We were. We were. Right. We were. So school is very self-centered, right? Whose paper is that? Mine. Whose grades are those? Mine, right? Whose achievements are those? Me, 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 me. Now, when we move to the working world, uh, it's not about you, man. It's about them. It's about <laughs> our clients or customers or our, you know, the, the, the people we're trying to make impact on through our mission. And the problem is when people move from school to work, nobody gives them that memo. One of my favorite things is to look yeah. at letters. No service. I mean, what can you do? Yeah. To yeah well, no matter what you do, whether you're a plumber, whether you answer the phones. Or- right. But it's about... But it's about that. And one of my favorite things looking at cover letters, I love this, one of my favorite things, is I look at cover letters of often early professionals and I count the number of me's and I's. Oh, that's cool. And there's so many. And then I count the numbers of you's. And, and usually there's one, maybe, when they say thank you. And that's it, right? So, so when people are trying to find their way in the working world, if they can just remember a little bit, and this is especially applicable to early professionals, that it's not about you. Yeah, it's well, a- I mean, what I what, what I love about this, it's like you're not teaching them. Yes, you're going to help them get a job, but you're really not teaching them to get a job. You're sort of transforming their mindset to have these lifelong skills that yeah. they can use in any any setting. Yeah, which is really nice. Yeah, I think a lot of times people go to consultants and coaches and just I need to get a job. I I, I literally was just having a conversation recently where. I was talking to an early professional and I was, and they were like, I just need a job. I just need a job. And I'm like, where do you want to be in 10 years? I don't know. I don't care. I'll figure that out, but I want a job now. And I was trying to explain to them the idea of compound interest mm-hmm. that if they make a deposit in a job right now that, and I, look, this is hard, right? Cause people have economics and they're trying to yeah. make ends meet. So this is, none of these ideas are easy, but if, and when somebody's in a position to do it, if they can be just a little bit intentional about the path they put themselves on because whatever path they start on now, 10 years from now, it's going to put them in such a different place than, right. You know, then yeah. the choices one makes now are so important. I mean, no, you can I, explore and all the exactly. rest. But, yeah. yeah. No, I was a coaching a friend and, and he was struggling with, uh, it's not what I want to do and purpose mm. and da, 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 mm. da, da. And, um, but he didn't have a job at all. And I said, well, mm. plant the seeds for the thing you there really you want to do, but let's not, let's remember like, there is such thing as uh, bills and gas. Right. So like do something, anything to do right. the cash flow. There's no shit right. like drive Uber, do whatever. Right. You need to make money and that's cool. Right. But you can do both, right? You can plant yeah. the seeds and work on the other thing. But let's not forget, you know, you may need to do something else right now. Yeah. I was, you know, just like you need some money. Yeah. And if that's, if that's your why, like, that's fine. I mean, God knows I've done that. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. if, if, but, but I think sometimes people, and, and you, I'm sorry, I'm talking too much. You tell me to be quiet. Is, you are um, the chattiest. <laughs> he's I such mean, a chatty it's, bastard. It's almost like you're the guest of the show. <laughs> but, but sometimes people, they misunderstand you. Know, a lot of people think, well, in order for me to be happy in my work, I got to follow my passion. And of course right. that's a little bit messed up Yeah. because, because, you're going to be passionate at whatever you're good at. Oh, boom. And, I was just going to say that. Yeah. And if you're good at something, especially if you're the best in the world at something, especially the best in the world that the universe needs a lot, people are going to pay you a lot. And then, and so it can be very liberating, right? To know that there's all these things I love to do. You don't have to do them professionally, right? If you exactly. like ancient Babylonian cabinet making, which go do I that. Do, well, I, do. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, well, I mean, I see the cabinets behind, but, but I mean, but sometimes people think, you know, you don't, you can be an amateur at things you love. Right. And if you think about it, professionals, they actually aren't super passionate. I mean, they are maybe deep down cause they go, they go the distance and they got to have the stamina, but let's say this, David, let's say you go to a heart surgeon mm-hmm. and you need to have heart surgery. And you go there and the heart surgeon's like, David, we're going to cut you open. I just love the heart and the colors and the blood. And it's just beautiful. And I just, oh, I just love it. You would get the hell out of there, right? Ooh, look at this. Yeah. You would, right? Are Whereas you if smoker? you go, 
if you go to a heart surgeon, right? You want the heart surgeon that's got their game face on, right? You want the heart surgeon that she's like, David, we're going to cut you open. Everything goes great. Fine. Everything, the problem, fine. We're going to fix you. I'm a heart surgeon. I got my game right. face on, right? right? You want cold stone killer. I mean, professionals, they got their game face, cold. It's right? True. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this notion that, that you have to, I mean, when I was a scuba instructor, you know what I didn't want to do on my day off? Oh. Scuba dive. You know, yeah. I mean, anyhow. Well, I'm so glad you said that because um, do you follow or know, uh, hopefully Seth Godin, mm-hmm. he's like my guru. Benchpin, baby. I love him. So yeah, of course. I, I, I read his blog every day and he, mm-hmm. he's really big on stop with the passion stuff. Yeah. Be really, really great at what you do. And guess what? There comes the passion. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Which is counterintuitive and kind of goes against our myths of, I was destined to do this, but he's like, eh, nah, stop it. Right. You foster, I think Angela Duckworth talked about this in grit, right? You Mm -hmm. foster the passion, right? You foster it. And, And look, it can be guided by it, right? If there's things you, but like, like going back to the ancient Babylonian cabinet making thing, right? Let's say that's your that's your thing. Mm-hmm. Well, it could, you know, you got to do a little research because it tur- could turn out nobody's buying those, but maybe right. they're buying ancient Egyptian cabinets, and nobody's making those. And so there's there's a there's an opportunity there. So that one tweak. That one tweak, right, might make all the difference. And and part of the reason the the things that come to your mind first may not be super in demand is because those are the things that comes to everybody's mind first. And there's a glut of that. Um, yeah. Seth, talk, yeah. Seth Godin, Seth, as we know, you, Seth, he our, about our a, friend, Seth, sm- um, smallest possible, smallest viable audience. Right. Yeah. So for podcasts and so I took his podcast, you know, look, you don't need 10,000 listeners. Maybe you right. need five really good ones. Yep. Five really raving fans instead of, so, and with my law yep. practice, I sort of honed it down to, basically just do traffic tickets niche baby niche 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 niche, niche. Um, so we're getting towards the end i this is really fun i wish yeah because 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 i'm laughing too i'm having fun there's a good banter um so we should do it again but um before we end any i used to like ask book recommendations first of all we'll throw out uh, how to reach you yeah and your offerings where where is that is- yeah so if you just google eric woodard coach on the first thing that pops up uh my website is eric-woodard.com but just just google eric woodard coach and it'll pop up and i'm uh, uh i offer free um um uh, 30 minute uh, strategy sessions if you're not sure about coaching um, and then I've got a couple of packages for, you know, early career coaching and also high performance coaching, um, taking clients, man. And, yeah. uh, and I don't have a wait list yet. So congratulations. Um, so <laughs> um, any other, let's say author you, you've written some books, any other, like I mentioned, Seth Godin, you mentioned Angela Duckworth. Yeah. Any other people who inspire you or. Yeah. The- so, um, there's a, a woman who, she actually started it cosmetics and I think her book okay. came out like yesterday or today it's called believe it. It's brand new book. Her name's Jamie Kern Lima. I have not read the book, but I know it's going to be awesome. Um, and I know her book is, uh, I'm really looking forward to reading that one. Yeah. Brand Very new, nice. like hot off the press. That's a, that, that's a little bit of a deep cut. Maybe I've yeah. never, yeah. Yeah. Cosmetics. Yeah. And she, and she, she, she's a billionaire because she sold her company, but I think, you know, she went through a period the way she describes it, where, you know, everybody told her no everybody told her she couldn't do it. (laughs) You know, she had two nickels to rub together and she just like the title says, believed it Mm. and it worked out. And so, yeah, I can't wait to read that book. Yeah. Very nice. My friend, (laughs) any, any final words? No, just David, you're the man, man. I mean, thank you. Thank you for doing this. I mean, I I am kind of a big deal. You are a big deal. It took you so long to get on here. No, 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 you're a big deal. And I I really appreciate, um, you know, what you're doing. I know, you know, I know you talk a a lot about dad stuff. Um, and thank you for that. You know, we, we dads, I mean, you know, we're, that's sort of our MO is we don't like to talk about ourselves. Well, you're a dad, you're a dad, a dad Um, of four. You had a couple of dad jokes in there. You know, dads, dads have to worry about careers and money because kids cost a lot. They do. Um, They eat food. Not to say that if you're not a dad, you don't (laughs) have to worry about money, but yeah. You know. Well, no, I just appreciate your 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 sharing that perspective because we, uh, you know, even though we we sort of like, oh no, we don't do that. We it, it helps. It helps. So it's all good. <laughs>
Well, yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll um we'll try to do this again. And um, absolutely, I got I'm working on these um cabinets. So I got uh the, the ancient Babylon. Nice. <laughs> I gotta go. Ancient Thanks, Babylon. man. Have a Thanks. great day. <laughs> you too, Eric man. Woodard. Win at work. It's so simple. That's okay. awesome, man. Thanks, Eric. You're so good at this. Win at work. <laughs> See you, buddy. Thanks, man. See you, man. And there you have it. That was my interview with Eric Woodard. I had a great time. Thank you for your time, Eric. He uh, really has a lot of energy and passion, and he's really bright. He's got beautiful insight, this really interesting story. And I think for anyone needing support for their career or coaching, uh, he would be an excellent, excellent resource. Enjoyed the conversation. I hope everybody is staying well and healthy, perhaps getting vaccinated. Perhaps we're inching closer and closer and closer to normalcy. And I really appreciate uh, listening, support. I hope you get a lot out of this. Reach out if you need anything. F-U-R-T-H-U-R dot coach. I'm going to keep doing it because it's having, um, having a lot of fun. Take care and we'll see you next time.